Hey, it's Monday. You know what time it is. It's FRPC Hoops. I'm your guy, Vince, and it's a solo mission. We are celebrating the uh, soon-to-be nuptials of one Nico Miatello. He is off getting himself ready for the day, right? The 22nd of August, and uh, we're excited for him. But in the meantime, in between time, we have off-season storylines that we need to get to, and we're kind of going to break it up. And again, if you weren't with us on Friday, keep in mind, now that the off-season is really here, obviously we still have some stuff on the table with Dame, with Harden, and the rest. We are in a situation where those things are just waiting, and we'll just get to them when we do get to them. But let's talk talk about some of the stuff that has gone on, right? And uh, we have a couple things that we're really excited to talk about today, and I can't wait to get into it. Now, I also want to tell everybody, thank you for the tremendous support on YouTube. Remember to subscribe. Remember to like. Also, download the pods as well, um, because you're only getting clips. You're not getting the full pod, so if you're hearing my voice and you're hearing this pod right now, congratulations. You're you're hearing the whole thing. You're getting all of it, but on YouTube, you're just getting the clips, but we do appreciate all the support because it has trem- it's grown tremendously, and we just really been starting the YouTube stuff for like almost two months now, and it's been just received very well, and we appreciate your support. The other thing that we want to tell you about is follow us on Twitter uh, for at Frontrunner PC. That's Vince and at Nico FRPC. And uh, yeah, say congratulations to my guy who's about to get married. You know what I'm saying? Send some well wishes along to him. And uh, that's pretty much it. Now, before we get into this, um, usually Nico and I have some banter back and forth about what's going on with him and whatever the case may be. Today, I want to talk about something I saw on uh, yesterday, actually. I watched the NXT Great American Bash. I am a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, I have my favorites and, and what have you, but the match between Carmelo and... Ilya Dragunov yesterday was just, it was beautiful. I mean, they told such a physical story in that wrestling match that I was just thoroughly entertained. And um, what a great tribute to Dusty Rhodes, who was one of the catalysts for the Great American Bash. And to see the job that Shawn Michaels is doing with it, along with just the WWE brand, was awesome. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who love the AEW stuff. And here, let me tell you something. There's some guys there that I absolutely enjoy. Um, I love FTR. I love MJF. I love uh, Adam Cole, baby. That's my guy. Um, But the match between Carmelo Hayes and... Ilya Dragunov, to me, was something that 
you really you really don't see a lot of on WWE. It was there kind of more, I guess if you want to call it AEW style of wrestling. And it was just good to see these kids kind of let loose and be themselves and, you know, tell the story they wanted to tell in the ring. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Ilya Dragunov himself for the match that he put together and also Carmella Hayes because when Carmella shoot, he don't miss. So Mello shoots, he don't miss. Shouts out to Trick Williams as well. And uh, that is our wrestling part of the show. And that also goes out to my guy, Ed Kelly. You know who you are. I miss you, my brother, and I'll be seeing you soon. Um, now, let's get on to the storyline. So what I've done is I've taken a couple storylines, and we're going to go through this through the month of August and into September. And so we're going to take a couple storylines every week. And get into them and see where it kind of leads us, what story it tells us, and does it give us any indication of what's going on into the future of of, those, of these franchises that we're going to get into. Today we're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls a little bit. We're also going to talk about Toronto, so we're going to head north. All right, we're going to check out Drake's team and see what's going on there. We're also going to focus on the Sacramento Kings. Um, and, and their offseason and some of their moves they made. And then we're going to finish it up on a kind of, if you want to call it a uh, a selfish note, we can do that. We're going to talk a little bit about UCLA and their ongoing attempts to recruit a couple guys that I believe will be uh, signing with them within the next day or so. Again, I'm so pumped up for this, so let's get into it. So, the storyline in Chicago is this. DeMar DeRozan signed a three-year contract, and we're in the last year of it. Uh, when he signed it, it was uh, $81.9 million for three years. And at the time, a lot of people had a lot of um, trepidation with that contract. How could you give DeMar DeRozan this kind of money? We're we're going to a different style of basketball. We're shooting threes, and he's a mid-range guy, and... You know, yeah, he's kind of upgraded the playmaking ability, but, you know, is he is he worth all this money? Remember, at the time, there were actual talks of DeMar DeRozan signing from the mid-level with the, with the Lakers. And that obviously didn't happen because of this contract. Now, since we're in the last year of it, and keep in mind also, with that, Nikola Vucevic signed, re-signed as well in the offseason. But here's the thing. What do you do with DeMar DeRozan if you're the Chicago Bulls? Um, it has been a hard road for the Chicago Bulls in this last decade. Uh, losing the, one of the most dynamic players we've ever seen in Derrick Rose, uh, that catastrophic injury. And then, you know, just kind of falling apart and what have you. And then they kind of rebuild themselves. And before the injury to Lonzo Ball, this team was 
playing well. The defense was playing well. And they were clicking on all cylinders. Now, Patrick Williams was still trying to develop. He's a young guy. He's still a young guy. We still don't know what Patrick Williams really is going to be. But now we're in a place where draft picks are with other teams. Um, you know, Orlando has gotten a, a just a bounty of great things from Chicago through this trade with Vucevic. And I know this doesn't have anything to do with DeRozan, but it also does have something to do with DeRozan. Because right now, he's in his last year. And here, let me give you a couple numbers that I kind of rattled off and wrote down here in my notes. Last year, DeMar DeRozan shot 50% from the field. He didn't shoot very well from three-point. He never does. It's a 32.4%. And he also shot 87.2% from the free-throw line. On seven, He averaged seven attempts. So you know my thing about getting to the free-throw line. If you're getting to the free-throw line like seven, eight times, you're a legit, you're a legit star. You're getting it done. But is he the piece that can help rebuild or help rebuild the uh, the infrastructure that is the Chicago Bulls? Because right now, other than Levine and the core, right, you got Alex Caruso, you have DeMar, and then you have Vooch, we still don't know what... Uh, Patrick Williams is going to be Io DeSomo is still young and other than that what else do they have now can they get a huge haul for DeMar DeRozan I don't know I don't think so I don't think you can get multiple first round draft picks but can you get a young player that has some upside to kind of help bridge the gap to the new, whatever the new iteration of the Chicago Bulls are, maybe, you know, maybe you can do what was done to you by Orlando. You know, Vucevic was on his contract situation in Orlando and then they traded him. It's just food for thought, but I'm really like, uh, I feel real bad for the people of Chicago right now. Just knowing that they've been in this like mediocrity, like just turn and turn and turn. It's just eight seed and playing and, you know, just missing the playoffs. But Levine is a almost a 30 point a game scorer when healthy. DeRozan is awesome. But without Lonzo Ball being there, it really hurts that team and it handicaps them to a point where. You know, what are they going to look like this year? Is it going to be a team that's going to battle for some sort of playoff situation? I mean, I don't know. Is Vucevic going to play lights out now that he got his contract? I don't think that's the case either. I think what Vooch is, is what Vooch is going to be, which is a solid guy. You know, um, I don't buy it. I know that the analytical numbers will tell you um, after the trade deadline, they were like top six in the, you know, as far as 
defensive analytics and things of that nature. I don't know if I really buy it. Um, maybe it was just like the their style of play, but it does raise some questions. And his contract is right now. You're looking at twenty eight point six million dollars in this final year of this contract. Okay. Um, what do you do? Do you resign him? You know, do you lose the asset? I, I'm, I'm never going to be in a position to tell you, hey, lose the asset. Just let it fall to the wayside and then you have cap space. I think cap space, we found out, doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot. In uh, when it comes to free agent negotiations and things of that nature. And a lot of people, for some reason, don't want to go to Chicago, which is weird to me. Um, I don't know if it's they are worried about the Jordan smoke or whatever it is, but it just seems very odd that a major market can't just continue to get free agent talent. But if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, hit me up on Twitter, FrontRunnerPC. I would love your thoughts on what you think the Chicago Bulls should do with DeMar DeRozan and this contract going into the final year of it. And do you just run, continue to run it back and see if you can kind of piece together the team and whatever? I don't think that's a recipe for success. When it comes to getting to the upper echelon of the East, keep in mind, you know, we still got we still got Milwaukee, we have Philadelphia, we have Boston, Cleveland's there, New York. Some folks would say Indiana might be coming as well. Atlanta obviously is still very talented, albeit there's a lot going on there. There's still a lot of talent there. So it would be very interesting to see what the Chicago Bulls do this year. Speaking of a team that has a lot of questions <laughs> and a lot of upcoming free agents, your Toronto Raptors. Let me read off the people who are either A, coming off the books or have the opportunity to come off the books for the Toronto Raptors in the upcoming year. Now, I didn't get everybody. I got the, the what I consider like your rotational pieces. Pascal Siakam is in the last year of his deal. Gary Trent Jr. is also in the last year of his deal. OG Ananobi has a player option going into this year. People expect him to opt out. Thaddeus Young is also in the last year of his deal. Precious Achua is in the last year of his deal. Otto Porter Jr. is in the last uh, year of his deal. And Malachi Flynn is also in the last year of his deal. Now also keep in mind this. The Raptors owe a pick to the San Antonio Spurs. That is top six protected for the next year and the year after. 
And then if it doesn't convey by then, then it goes over to second round picks. With the team currently the way it is, they're definitely going to be better than top six. They're going to be in that playing range. But that's about it. I'm really trying to understand what Messiah Jerry is doing. Raptors fans, if you know what Messiah Jerry is doing, hit your boy up. Because I really want to know. Because I have no clue at this point. And we have said on this podcast probably for like the last six to eight weeks, we're not falling for the pump fake on trades with the Toronto Raptors. We heard rumors and whispers and whatever that, you know, they've been they've been wanting to tear it down for a while. And it never comes to fruition. And now we're in critical mass stage. Now we're in a stage where can you get what you want for Siakam? Because every passing day that you get closer and closer to the regular season, that value for what you're getting for Siakam it's going to be very it's going to be more and more diminished that's a bad sign and that's a bad way to lose an asset where now you're getting like pennies on the dollar because you didn't trade them at the deadline last year now albeit maybe you were sitting there thinking to yourself hey <clears throat> We get this team together. At that point, they still had Fred Van Vliet on the team. Maybe they're thinking, hey, another year continuity. We've had a bad stretch. And here's the other thing that I don't want to continue to like crap on Toronto because it's not that. They had other, other teams that went through the pandemic. They had it the worst. Remember, this team got placed in Tampa. You know, they couldn't play in Toronto. So basically, they were a road team all year. You know, and then last year, you know, there were issues with Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet with ball handling duties and who was going to do it. And there just seemed to be a lack of cohesion permeating through that team. And now we're in just a now a season of indecision. Again, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players on this upcoming Raptors team that could possibly not be there next, not this season coming up, next season. So now my question to Toronto Raptors fans, and I, I probably know the answer to this, but I will ask it anyway. What do you do with your final year contracts? Do you hold off until the trade deadline and hope that you get a desperate team? Do you allow Scotty Barnes to just play the point guard position and let him go through the growing pains? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to get to and unpack with the Toronto Raptors. I just think they did a poor job of handling their assets and pinpointing who they wanted to keep and who they didn't want to keep. And just hoarding your players doesn't help you. 
you lost Van Vliet to Houston. So now, Scotty, de facto point guard, unless somebody else comes around and does it. Grady Dick, obviously, could be very important to this team because he provides shooting that they desperately need. But is he the complete answer? Is he the is he the guy that's going to unlock this team? I don't think so. Not in his first year. Could be wrong, but I don't see that type of dramatic jump for Grady Dick this first year. Just something that I'm kind of pondering over. But if if I was Masai Jerry, I would be involved in some of this stuff that's going on with Portland and Philadelphia. And if you listen to prior podcasts, you know that I have been begging for Toronto or Memphis or OKC who have all these young, talented players that obviously, like, I think OKC has like 20 players on their roster before they even get to camp, which is absolutely nuts to me. But if you're Toronto and you have Siakam and you can give a team a full year with him, and then they can decide whether they want to resign him or whatever the case may be. That has to be the move, right? That has to be the move. And if it's not, we need to start talking about what Messiah Jerry is actually doing with this team because it looks like it doesn't have any direction. And this was a guy that was earmarked as going to be one of the the best execs in the league. There was just a time two, three years ago, Masai Jerry's name was just golden. There was nothing you could say about him. It was like everything he pulls off is gold. He was coming off championships, everything like that, doing the Kawhi kind of bet, basically the one-year rental. He did it, and it paid off in spades, obviously. But the direction of this team right now is cloudy to say the least. And I just expect more from just the brain trust of the Toronto Raptors. And then the other thing that goes along with this is that you try to develop players that are, um, you know, the second rounders or the, or the, or the, non-draft pick guys. But if you're not hitting on those guys, you got to start replenishing the talent with the assets that you have. And I think that time was, frankly, about six months ago. So we're going to move on to the Sacramento Kings. And here's what I want to talk about with the Sacramento Kings. Um, They did a lot. Um, a lot of people will, uh, let's get into it. It's kind of ugly. So ESPN has them ranked as last place in the Pacific division. This is a team that won that division last year and everybody's back. Okay. Um, let's go over some of the people that they signed and this will kind of give you clarification of what happened in the off season. All right. Um, first, they make a trade for Chris Duarte. Now, 
a lot of people know that I was high on Chris when he came out of college out of Oregon, wing player. He had a really good first year, and then he just kind of fell off the map and couldn't get it going or whatever last year. But he has such a great relationship with DeMontis Sabonis that this could be a re, just kind of a, a reinvigoration of his career. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that actually looks like with Chris playing with DeMontis Sabonis. Speaking of DeMontis Sabonis, Sacramento went into the offseason with a ton of cap space. They did not have to sign DeMonte Sabonis to the contract they had until next year to do so. A lot of Sacramento Kings fans out there were trying to say, well, is this the spot for Kuzma? Is this the spot for Jeremy Grant? Are we loading up to trade and get some of the assets from Toronto? There are a lot of various rumors out there of what they were going to do with their cap space, but this is what they did. First, they signed DeMonte Sabonis to a four-year, $186 million extension. Okay? Now, I'm not... I don't think it's a bad idea. Just think a little overzealous. Could have used the cow space a little bit better. Not saying that you don't try to keep the asset. I'm just saying that if you had a whole year, did you have to resign them now? Just a question. Then you go, okay, well, they re-signed him. They still have a couple dollars, whatever case may be. Then they, they re-up tri uh, Trey Lyles. Two years, $16 million, not a bad contract whatsoever. Um, they also signed Alex Lynn. And then they signed a Euro player who was like the Euro, he was uh, European MVP, -ish, Sasha Vesnikov. Now, Sasha Vesnikov is one of these players that you sit there and you go, man, like, what is this going to look like? What kind of game does he have? Is this going to work out? So they signed him to a three-year deal. It was worth $19.9 million. I mean, it wasn't a ton of money as far as that's concerned. But it's for an unproven guy. Now, he was, like I said, he was MVP of the EuroLeague. Now, he's stepping up in uh, competition, coming to the NBA. He's like 6'6", shoots the ball very well, skilled, good passer, good feel, all of these things. But is this the impact that you need to battle everyone in the Pacific Division? And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Did Monty McNair use the resources to the best of his ability? Does, continu does continuity like the Denver Nuggets had last year, is this something that they saw and said, okay, that's our blueprint as well? Now, obviously, they're not as talented as Denver is when you have Jamal Murray and New you have... You have the reigning NBA Finals MVP and Jokic, but 
Harrison Barnes resigns. Trey Lyles, Demonte Sabonis. You have another year with De'Aaron Fox, who was hurt at the end of last year. He broke the tip of his finger, which sucks. I actually did it a long time ago in high school. Uh, I broke the bone, the tip of my uh, you know, middle finger on my right hand. So I, I I know that sucked. I know it was completely uncomfortable for him. So it's a it's a real gamble to say we're just we're banking on the continuity of our squad, right? So we're banking on this, and we're going to bring everybody back, and we're not really we're adding a couple ancillary pieces now. When I say ancillary, no disrespect, but until we see Chris Duarte, until we see Vesnikov play, they're ancillary pieces. Now, they could be complete important cogs to a playoff run for the Sacramento Kings, but I don't know personally if this was the way that they should have kind of allocated their assets. I would have maybe try to bring in another impactful wing to the team. I think you saw in the playoffs that they were maybe one bullet short. They needed another guy that... How can I put this? They needed another guy that that the other team had to have eyes on. And... I think it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you go, I understand bringing everybody back and just kind of saying, well, we're just going to be better because it's another year in the program. And there could be some very good improvements from a lot of players. You would need a leap from like Davion Mitchell. Uh, Definitely you would need a a reemergence of Chris Duarte. And keep in mind, Kevin Herter also had a like a really terrible end to his season as well. So can you reclaim the Kevin Herter earlier in the year? And you got a lot of weapons, right? You got Sabonis, you got Fox, uh, you got Keegan Murray. Is he going to take the next step as well? So if you're banking on Keegan Murray, De'Aaron Fox taking another step, and also the continuity of DeMontis Sabonis and the rest of the crew. And that's how they're going to galvanize together and, and be at the top of the Pacific Division. If that's your thought process in Sacramento, I could also understand that. I just wonder if you look at the other teams in the division, Phoenix got Bradley Bill. Now they have no depth whatsoever, but their starting five is going to be super awesome. The Golden State Warriors, they canceled the pool party, right? And they got CP3. We'll see how that works. But they re-signed Draymond. They have stuff. And Clay did average 22 points a game last year and shot 41% from three. Now, he's not the two-way player that he was three, four years ago. That's 100% true. But this is now the second offseason without trying to rehab. 
and we'll see how it all goes from there. But Sacramento, do you feel disrespected by ESPN and them saying that you were literally going to be last place in the Pacific Division? If you are, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on the YouTube channel. I'm sure I'm going to post like a little piece of this as well. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on your team and how you're being received by the public or the media, media machine, which is ESPN, right? The last thing that I want to talk about again, and like I said, this is more for me and not for anybody else. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am about UCLA basketball upcoming this year. First of all, Adem Bona coming back was fantastic. We lost a lot of people off this team. Jaime Hakez Jr., who is either going to be in Portland or Miami, one of the two, depending on the Dane trade. We lost Jalen Clark, who also got drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves, but is coming off an Achilles, so you probably won't see him in Minnesota this year until late. And then we just had seniors that just, it was done. Tiger Campbell, uh, David Singleton, and players like that. But what Cronin did with the <laughs> with the recruits is absolutely amazing. There's a lot of international players that are coming over. Um, but it looks like in the next couple of days, UCLA is going to sign Adai Mara from Spain. He's a seven foot three center. And this dude can pass his ass off. He is so skilled. It is so ridiculous. He has a midi. He, offensively, he's a big. He's not like, oh, um, he's not, it's not Victor Wimbayama. He's not the fluid, fluid athlete. He does move around very well, but he's not Victor. But drop coverage, he can do it. Uh, paint protection, 3.6 blocks per game in the, uh, the World Cup. The under-19s that just happened, 3.6 blocks. And he has awesome touch. And he's not afraid to mix it up, which is a great sign because Cronin likes those type of guys who have a little nasty to him. And then the other guy that they're going to sign. Now, I might completely screw this name up, so please bear with me. It's a Burkeg by you. Tunsil. He's a 6'9 um, guy out of Turkey. He averaged 11.4 points a game, 8.3 rebounds a game, and 3.7, 3.7 assists for the under-19 team in Turkey as well. So UCLA is loading up, and they also got a 6'5 international player. Uh, what is it? VV? Bivet, I like him. And they got a kid from France who's like 6'7". So they're stacked. UCLA is absolutely stacked. And we're going to make a run to the Final Four. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm so excited for UCLA this year. I I love the pivot. They were having a hard time getting like the top recruits, the five stars uh, from high school, and the pivot that Cronin made to getting the international players looks like it's going to pay off. And also, remember, these guys have been playing against grown, grown men. Somebody is getting somebody's getting their uh, season tickets for UCLA basketball. You see how they just skirted out right now? That's crazy, right? But if you're a UCLA fan and you're looking to the upcoming basketball season, you have a lot to be looking forward to. There's an influx of talent that has come into this to this team, and I can't wait to see how Cronin puts it all together. And then keep in mind some of the uh, the incumbents. Will McClendon is there. You know, they got a bunch of guards and they got some freshmen coming in. They got the Williams boys coming in as well. So there's a lot of talent that is still there. And I just can't wait. But UCLA is going to be huge. Is Adembona is 6'10. And you have Mata at 7'3. And you have um Burke at 6'9. To go along with the rest of the guys, with Kenneth Nuuba, who is still there, and all the rest of the guys, I mean, they're going to be deep. And I think we're going to see a style of play from UCLA that Cronin's been wanting to get to for a while. We're going to see him press some people, press some people mightily. And I just, I can't wait to see it. So that is pretty much it for today's pod. I just want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. Keep in mind, give my guy his well wishes on getting married. Uh, If you got like maybe some tips for him, you know, early on in the marriage, feel free to shoot that to him at Nico FRPC. Looking for those comments. As far as that's concerned. Um, oh, programming note. We got football Wednesday. So football's back on Wednesday. We will be doing a pod on Wednesday about it. Now, the Friday pod is in flux. Not saying that we're not going to have it. We are definitely going to have it. Now, the Friday conversation should return very shortly. I don't know if it's going to return this week or next week because we got a lot of football that we need to get to. So it might be football Wednesday, football Friday for the next couple of weeks to kind of get us up and running and get ourselves acclimated to what is going to be going on. By the way, one huge story that should be breaking like pretty much right now is that I think we're going to see another little exodus from the Pac-12. Looks like Oregon and Washington might be out, and they might be going to the Big Ten as well. And if that's the case, and the other couple names that I heard about that could be going to the Big Ten, Clemson, Florida State, I mean, I can tell you right now, the Big Ten is stacked. And we have changed college sports forever at this point. This is just a crazy time to be a fan. So we have a lot to get to. 
We're excited about it. And again, I just want to thank everybody for their just tremendous support. Uh, continue to tell your friends. Uh, tell people. Who, oh, and by the way, if you're watching the, the YouTube clips and you're not subscribing, subscribe. Subscribe and like because that's what helps the channel. And also get the whole pot. You know, helps us out. We we love it. We love y'all. And that's the reason why we do this. So for Nico, I'm Vince. I just want to let you guys know it's been an absolute pleasure. And we will be back on Wednesday with some football. Till then, I'm signing off. You guys have a good rest of your Monday. Deuce. <laughs>